This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's Tuesday, that can mean only one thing. Questionable weather and Dwayne Long. Dwayne, how goes it? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on spring to fully kick in. Looks like it's going to this week. Uh, I have to turn on the AC. I love that. So, yeah, we're and, and that gets us closer to football season. That's how crazy some of us are about football that we build our world around when the season starts and when the season ends. I'm going to have to take the fifth on that sickness. However, we do have a great show planned for you today. Thanks to you, the listeners. We have assembled all of your questions from the thread we posted. We are going to do our best to answer as many of these as possible. Some will even generate a show in and of themselves, and I will get to that later on. But we are going to start at the top with the question from I believe it's pronounced goaded. I feel as though our game against Oregon should have been a primetime game and not at noon. Do you agree or disagree, Dwayne? I absolutely. It, Dan, why do we not get more night games? We should, you know, uh, someone said that, you know, uh, the, the money, money is what talks. Yeah, I understand that. But that's a mutual. That's a mutual thing between us and Fox. Both of us get money out of this deal. Okay. How about you give us a couple of breaks so we can get more recruits in here, more elite recruits. Uh, Saturday night is the only time these kids can come that kids from all over the country. How many kids can leave? Uh, uh, let's say uh, from uh, uh, Texas or California or wherever and get here after a Friday night game and then be here for a noon Saturday game. It's just not going to happen. You know, and like Steve Hillwagon mentioned something, and this is important, is um, about how we're doing with recruiting. You know, we're finishing with the uh, uh, number two class, number three class. Yeah, but we might be able to improve on that. Just one guy. If we can get one five-star to come in and see Ohio State, it could, it could be a big difference. We need to push Fox on seeing Saturday night games, and this one in particular is, is going to be a game that's it, it's going to be of interest across the country. And playing at noon is insane. Playing at 3.30 would be good. But night game, that's what we need. I think it's being done because Fox wants their noon game to really challenge ESPN's morning coverage as they lead into it with Fox big Saturday, et cetera. So I understand that. 
Some may think that having Oregon play, we're in the Eastern time zone, will be an advantage because there's basically a 9 a.m. kickoff for them. I actually think, you know, competitively, that works in Ohio State's favor. I do understand the recruiting vibe to it. But um, I think in terms of winning and losing, playing the game when they are might actually be an advantage for Ohio State just because Oregon's clock is going to say 9 a.m. And not many guys are used to playing football games at 9 a.m. There's a reason West Coast NFL teams lose coming East. So let's hope that holds true for your bucks. Question number two, I will take off the top. Another one from Godet, and it's a good one. I think Jackson Smith and the Jigba will have 40 receptions this season. What do you guys think? Okay, so if you look back at the last few seasons, Justin Fields, so last season was truncated. And I figured this out. He completed 240 or so passes last year. He completed 240 about the year before. Obviously, difference in games, but I figured out per game, it's about the same. Dwayne Haskins completed 373 passes in his 14 games. So the number three receiver had 40 receptions. I just don't see enough receptions to go around. If you figure it in at about 240, I'm not sure it's realistic to think Stroud will have a bunch more completions this season than Fields. You got to figure you got about 80 catches for Alave and 75 for Garrett Wilson. There's not that many to go around after that. You've got Jeremy Ruckert in there. When I look at Smith Najigba, I think the name the number is going to be around 30. Uh, I don't see him getting to 40. Your thoughts? When last week we were talking about just wild speculation, just things that we think, well, that might happen or that could happen. Well, uh, the one that I absolutely believe is the one that I said that I absolutely believe could happen. I believe is going to happen is I believe Marvin Harrison is going to take a bunch of reps away from somebody. And if he forces himself into that third spot, Yes, Smith and Jigba is an outstanding football player. So is Fleming. Egbuka's out there. So I think that those guys combined are going to it, – it, they're going to stretch it out too much, Dan, for one of those guys to get 40 balls. Like you said, it's going to be – we're going to see Alave, uh, Garrett Wilson. They're going, to, they're going to be on the field. They're going to be dominating. I believe that that pair – is going to be the best pair of receivers in the country. That third spot, I'm telling you, I believe Harrison is going to take that spot. Uh, but they, again, it's still about – they're going to want to get these all these kids uh, some reps. They want to get the ball to them uh, just to keep them around because we're going to lose uh, Wilson after this year. We're going to lose Alave after this year. So you you want to keep those kids happy, uh, put them on the field, get them – educate them. Coach them up. So, uh, no, no, I don't think any of them after the top two there are going to get 40 balls. They were really top-heavy last year when you go back and look at the numbers. Olave and Wilson really had basically all the receptions. I don't think anyone else had more than 15. So you would expect Ruckert to be a much bigger part of the offense this year, although I'm about to be struck by lightning because I'm talking about Ohio State tight ends improving their production. Buckeye456 has the next question. Dwayne, you can take it. Do you guys think we add Pele Gaitodi? I know that's not how you pronounce his name. And a Caleb Evans, the corner from Tulsa. I believe they're going to take uh, Gaitodi, but it, it, I, I don't necessarily like the move. He's been beat up. He has not performed like 
we thought he would, because you and I were both really excited about the possibility of him coming to Ohio State uh, when he was coming out of high school. And for a while there, it looked like he was. Yeah, he was the number one linebacker in the country as a high school senior at Bishop Gorman in Vegas. And and his film shows the number one linebacker in the country. He was incredible. Uh, he's He was outstanding coming out of high school. I don't like his injury history. But here's the biggest thing. It's not like, you know, people say, well, he's a veteran. And, well, it isn't like we've got a bunch of young guys. These guys have played. The guys that are looking to step in there, Craig Young's about the only one who has, does not have a, a bunch of game reps. So I don't know why we're bringing him in. I, I'm actually uncomfortable with why we, we're bringing him in. We've got veteran uh, linebackers, guys that have played some football, and we're bringing in a guy. What, what is, are they that unhappy with what they're seeing at linebacker? That's what concerns me. Well, as far as uh, other kid, uh, Caleb Evans, I'm not familiar with the kid. I've not heard anything on Evans. I do believe they'll add the linebacker from USC. But I also had Henry Toto predicted as the seventh Buckeye off the board in the draft next year. So the transfer portal is throwing curveballs to everybody and get used to it because the genie ain't going back in the bottle. We're going to take a quick break, actually, come back and tackle some more of these questions. All right, we are back. Bucks 101. What is the toughest Big Ten road game this season? I want to say Indiana, but can't believe I'm actually saying it. I also think Mini might be the second toughest as well. I can't believe Michigan has fallen so low. Other Big Ten road games include Nebraska, Rutgers, and Michigan. I think it's pretty obvious, Dwayne, that Indiana is going to be the team. Difficult challenge for a couple of reasons. One, if Michael Penix Jr. has fully recovered from his injury, he is a very good quarterback in the Big Ten. We know they've done a good job of adding talent, and they have momentum. They got a transfer from USC, Stephen Carr, yesterday, so their profile has improved. I think it also is an indictment of the other teams that Indiana has come this far, and I do think it's going to be the toughest road game. Dwayne, do you agree or disagree? Absolutely, it's going to be the toughest road. These guys seem to play us hard every year. And, and last year, they really come after us. They believe they can beat us. That's one thing that is a problem. First thing to, to win at anything, to be successful at anything, is to believe you can do it. So uh, Indiana thinks that, that they got our number. They think they can take us out. So, yeah, that would be uh, the toughest. I absolutely believe that. You always want to say, I mean, Michigan is Michigan. Well, I don't know if they're Michigan anymore, but they, you know, you always think about Michigan being tough. Maybe this is the year. So I'm worried that that could be someone uh, also mentioned a trap game. Uh, Michigan could be it. Just we don't know what we're going to see out of Michigan. We don't know if we're going to see uh, uh, an eight and three team or a three and eight team. We, we never know. We'll let's see what's happening. I don't think you can put Michigan into the trap game category for Ohio State at any period of time. They're not going to overlook that game. So let's move on. Buckeyes and Spurs. Personally, I think he'll be another first-round wide receiver, but there was a lot of chatter on the boards about Julian Fleming falling behind because of injury. Where do you see him landing in the wide receiver rotation, and do you have any concerns about him? I will take this one off the top. Whenever you talk about injuries to a prospect, the caliber of someone like Julian Fleming, the most important thing to exercise to me is patience. Yes, we all want him to get going, 
I'm sure the Fleming crew wants him to get going. I'm sure his position coach wants him to get going, but he's hurt. And I would call upon the name Marshawn Lattimore. He was highly regarded corner out of Glenville. He could not get on the field here because of recurring injuries. His hamstrings were bad enough that some thought he was going to have to quit the game. The first time you saw him on the field, he was beaten down the sideline by Daniel Braverman against Western Michigan. The next year he came back, he was arguably the best cornerback we've had because he got healthy, and you all see what he's done now. I want to see Julian Fleming fully healthy, fully indoctrinated into the system, and ready to roll before I make any judgments on him. I have no concerns about him right now because he has been hurt. Dwayne, your thoughts? Well, I really can't add much to what you said. That's, I mean, uh, we, how can you evaluate somebody who's not healthy? When he was on the field, he looked impressive. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, we were seeing him a little bit more. Um, we only had the six games, and, you know, it, it was it was tough for uh, any of those freshmen last year. They didn't get spring ball. The, you know, they get out of school early, give up so much of the spring of my senior year of high school. I'm never going to forget it. It was a beautiful thing, and they didn't have that. They came here because they wanted to get ready, and then they didn't get spring. And they didn't get – I mean, when you think about playing six games, when you were ex- expecting to play 11, that means you got missed half the practice time you were expecting. So uh, I, I think that had – you know, you put the injury together with the fact that just not enough reps, not enough preparation. I'm not worried about him at all. Not at all. I'm, I just want him to get healthy, as you said. Buckeyes and Spurs, next question, very similar in a defensive vein. Does Zach Harrison become another Chase Young this season? He's finally putting in the work and has enough speed. If he can improve his first step, he's a top 15 pick in my book. When we did our predictions, I had Zach Harrison going off the board first, and it was a gamble, but there are only so many people on planet Earth built like Zach Harrison and Chase Young or Kayvon Thibodeau, who's out at Oregon and is projected to be the number one defensive end off the board. Also, there were no big-time defensive ends in this year's draft, so people are going to be hurting for it. If Zach Harrison puts it together, he is going to get picked very high. I could see him being a top 10 pick if he puts it all together. One of the things I think is going to help him tremendously is I think you could see Ohio State make a run at the sack record of 54 from 2019. Jack Sawyer is a werewolf. Tyreek Smith is showing werewolf characteristics. You get Zach Harrison out there with him, he's going to see a lot more single coverage when it comes to blocking, and I think he has a chance to blossom. I'm betting on Zach Harrison. You are not. Tell us why. He didn't start last year, Dan. What He didn't start last year, and Jack Sawyer was still in high school. So I, I don't know. I hope he does because he is a freak in the truest sense of the word. I mean, his 200-meter time was something that you see a 160-pound guy uh, run. Be happy to run that, that, uh, that kind of time. He just he didn't start, and he wasn't being pushed by a Jack Sawyer. So, uh, you know, he, what he can be is exactly what you're calling him. He could be the second defensive end off the board next year. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not convinced yet. I think he's a spectacular athlete, a spectacular specimen, but he's got to become a better football player. That he was not a starter last year is important. And now we got the werewolf. That's what we're going to call Jack Sawyer. 
you don't recruit guys like Zach Harrison and Julian Fleming to quit on them after two years. They need to be developed. The talent is there. Just a matter of pulling it out of them, getting them healthy, getting them on track. All right. Dwayne from SEM20696. I think you should handle this one. What is Dwayne's favorite Kentucky bourbon? Maker's Mark 46. Uh, I, Maker's Mark is is outstanding, but Maker's Mark 46 is the best I've tasted. Uh, you know, Columbus can be, it's the generic capital of the world. So some of the stuff that's out there, uh, you know, that, that the high-end bourbons, have I've not had an opportunity to, to try them. But uh, uh, what I can get here, Maker's Mark 46 is special. I tell you, um, Evan Williams is has a new, um, a small batch, 1783 is what it's called. If you're a bourbon fan, you need to try this. It's really outstanding. All right, Hannibal Bob asked, what are the players doing now, et cetera? We're going to leave that question for Dave Biddle. He is the one to ask about current goings on. Jacob 1125, your question, name your starting O-line from current and past Ohio State rosters. That was the question I was referring to when we started the show. We are not going to answer that today. It's too labor intensive, but we will do an entire show on that sometime here in the off season. I will make sure to alert you before we do so. Jacob 1125. Buckeyes and Spurs again gets on the board. Recent sources have Kyle McCord looking great so far. Can they really start McCord and risk having Stroud leave and Ewers decommit considering you have to wait two years to start? I'll take this. There's no chance Kyle McCord is starting. Dwayne. There's no chance Kyle McCord is starting. He's not going to start over Stroud. It's not going to happen. Mm-mm. For one reason, the, what uh, Buckeyes and Spurs points out, you're going to destroy the quarterback room if the youngest guy in the room is a starter, I, I mean, he would have to be so clearly better than Stroud that it's something they don't care about. You, you want to leave? Go ahead. We got our guy. So, but then I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he is. I, I go back to looking at the spring game. Stroud was the best quarterback out there. There's just no question about that. So, uh, yeah, he would have to have leap, leaps and bounds ahead of, uh, of Stroud. And then watch, I don't know about uh, Evers decommitting. That could happen, but we're definitely going to lose uh, both uh, Stroud and Miller if, if uh, McCord takes a starting job. That's just, there's some dynamics going there. Uh, but first and foremost, I don't believe he's going to be, he's better than Stroud. I don't think that's going to happen. WP Buckeye, Dwayne, does Bill Bank Green's favorite, we all remember Bill, Ryan Bear out of Eastlake, offensive lineman, get a sniff from Ohio State. I think he would be even higher up the, up the ladder. It's not that we don't like Bear. We just have so many guys that are ahead of him. That's what the problem is with, right, with him right now. Uh, and of any other year, he might, be, he might already have an offer. But uh, in, in this, there's just some guys that they want to look at. They're saying the right things, and they're just going to be higher on the board. Yeah, I think he's going to get a sniff, though. He'll be at camps, and he's going to get a good look. Offensive linemen are kind of guys who can really impress the coaches at camp, too, because they want to see that size and punch in person. So he's definitely got a shot. Let's move down the list here. There are more passing questions. I don't think we're going to handle those. Oh, here's a good one. 
from Northwest Ohio Buck 2009. Dwayne, if you had to pick one assistant coach on staff now to someday be the head coach at Ohio State, who would it be? <laughs> Brian Hartline. I mean, the kid can recruit. He's got NFL. How many years is he in the NFL? I mean, this guy knows how to play football. He knows how to coach football. He's a monster on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I would absolutely. I, that's the one that just leaps out at me. Uh, I, I like uh, Wilson, but I don't think that there he'll ever get uh, the head coaching job here. That that mess at Indiana really hurt him. He may get a, uh, a job somewhere else, but not a, a school like Ohio State. Yeah, I think Hartline is the blinking red light answer here. He's alumni. He's got that kind of competitive juice, too. Um, he handles the media well, I think. Uh, he'd obviously be the choice of the guys currently on the staff. Good news, people. This is not a question we aim to tackle anytime soon. All right. Dwayne, there was a question about the passing yards. You predicted 3,000-yard pass catchers and a tight end with 40 catches and 10 touchdowns. How many passing yards do you think C.J. Stroud will finish with, assuming he's the starter? I just got it in my head that he can throw 4,000 yards this year. I think I, I love what I've seen out of the kid. Ryan Day knows how to prepare a quarterback. You got Brian Hartline out there with the receivers. When has anybody been able to stop us from throwing the football? Since Ryan Day came here, it just hasn't happened. We're going to throw the football. We're going to throw it well. And I absolutely believe that we've got the quarterback room. I believe we've got the receivers. I believe we've got the coaching staff. I would not be shocked if we get over 4,000 yards through the air this year. Not going to surprise me at all. So I realize those are lofty numbers. And when I first looked at them, I was kind of thinking, no way. But when you do the math, keep in mind – Talked about how the team was so top-heavy last year, receptions-wise, with Olave and Wilson, partly because they were the only ones with any real experience coming back. Those other guys didn't have a real offseason. We talked about Fleming. You know, one of the reasons Smith Najigba played so well early on is he was the most polished guy coming in. These guys have now had a full offseason. They'll get a full season. They're back on a regular track. I think there's going to be more, you know, schematics able to be entered in the playbook, and each kid will have a bigger arsenal of plays to run. So it's possible. Those are lofty numbers. But if anybody could do it, it's the Buckeyes. All right, Dwayne, the last question comes from the lovely and talented Dave Biddle. It is for me personally. Dan, raising your kids as Cowboys and Bengals fans, which one do you regret the most? the team, not the child. Yeah, it would definitely be hard to pick which child I'd return. So I was raised in a household where my folks were not sports fans, and I chose the Cowboys myself as a six-year-old because I was obsessed with Roger Staubach and Tony Dorsett. Aside from that, I'm a homer. So now that we live in Dayton, that does not mean I have my kids rooting for the Bengals. We are a brainwash household, only Cowboys gear, only Buckeyes gear. Although we do love Joe Burrow, and I would let my children wear a Joe Burrow jersey. We hope you enjoyed that show. We appreciate the help with the questions. We will do this again soon. Thanks, Dwayne, for stopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters. <laughs> <laughs>